there we go. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Well, as I stand here before you this morning, I can officially say summer is here, right? Um, and with summer comes travel. And I'm sure those of you who are getting ready to travel this summer, there's one thing that you're doing. You are getting your suitcases out from wherever they are and you are dusting them off, right? Well, a few years ago, I got one of the coolest suitcases on the market. It was called a Raiden suitcase. And uh, they were all the rage when they came out because they were so cool. They had a lithium battery inserted like into the, su the suitcase. And they had these really cool charge ports where you could actually charge your devices while you were traveling. Um, it also had a GPS radio and 3G connectivity in it. So you could connect your suitcase to the Raiden app and um, you could track your suitcase wherever it went. And it would also send you these really cool push notifications to let you know when your suitcase got to like that little luggage carousel so you could track it. It was very cool. And I was so excited to use this suitcase when I got it. And so my husband and I went to the, the Caribbean uh, for a trip a few years ago, and it was the first time I ever used a suitcase. And um, it worked perfectly. It was beautiful, and it was brilliant until, until we were coming back into the United States and coming through customs in LAX, and we were pulled out of line by Homeland Security, and they said, Mr. and Mrs. Tay, uh, we need you to stand over here. We need, you to we need to ask you some questions about your travel. And they took us to this little station behind the security line, and there on a little exam table was my suitcase. Okay, and so we're standing there, and I can tell that this is not a normal thing. My, my husband travels all the time, and I figured, you know what, this has got to be because of his travel. He is the one who has gotten flagged here, and because uh, it's happened to us before. And so I'm looking at his face, and I can tell that this is not normal. He's a little nervous. And so I start getting nervous, and I start figuring out, like, what is going on? And I was like, you Ernesto, did, are you smuggling Cuban cigars? That's what's happening here, right? Like, and he's like, Jody, I don't smoke cigars. And so at this point, I am panicking, and I am grasping at straws trying to figure out what is happening because I know it can't be my fault. Well, finally, someone comes to me and says, uh, we need to look at your suitcase because um, there might be some, we think there might be some explosives in it. And at that point, I am just losing my mind. And as he's talking to me, I hear nothing of what he's saying because I'm looking down the terminal and all of a sudden, there's this commotion happening. And, you know, LAX, large terminal, lots of people, the people just start kind of parting like the Red Sea because something is coming. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? And all of a sudden, I see the bomb squad. The bomb squad, you guys. And I was quickly informed, again, they need to search my belongings because I'm carrying possible explosives. And at this point, I do what any of you would do. I started crying. I started crying. And um, I walked up to the bomb squad guy, the guy with a dog, and I said, you do not understand. I am a pastor. I am not going to blow up anything. You cannot keep me here. We have to make our connecting flight. I have to preach tomorrow morning. There's no way that you can keep me here. And I just lost my mind. Well, this guy so stone-faced, he didn't say a word. And the bomb squad proceeded to strip search my suitcase 
for an hour and a half. You guys, they took everything out of the suitcase. They took the lining out of the suitcase, all of my clothes out of the suitcase, and scanned them in these special scanners. They took every bottle of liquid I had and tested it on this special machine. They took everything out of my purse, my lipstick. They undid it all. They even unwrapped all of my gum. And that was the last straw because they, they, they unwrapped all of my gum and they tested it for explosive. Took everything apart. And when they were done, they just kind of left it there on this table and I had to put it all back together. And I was a complete wreck. It was a nightmare. Well, when all was said and done, the bomb squad guy told me that the lithium battery set off every sensor known to man. And needless to say, Raiden went out of business two years later, and I can honestly say I'm not very upset about that. Not upset at all, and we did make our connecting flight, and I got to preach the next morning, but the lesson I learned from this incident was this. You have got to mind your baggage. You have just got to pay attention to the bags you're carrying because you might be carrying things that hinder you and they slow you down. And rather than moving you quickly onto the next thing, you get stalled out. And I tell you this story about baggage this morning because the truth is that we all have baggage. We all have baggage in the form of some of the junk that happens in our lives. And I call it baggage because it's stuff that we carry with us everywhere we go. And much like my blue suitcase, that stuff can actually slow us down and it's burdensome and it's stuff that we can't seem to shake. And every time we turn around, it's kind of right there. And what tends to happen with our emotional baggage is something will happen in our lives and we will take that thing that happened and we will fold it up nice and neat and we will put it in a bag and we will put it on our shoulder, pack it on our backs and we will carry it with us into the next thing that we do. We will carry it with us into the next job, into the next relationship. We will carry it with us into the next church that we go to. We will carry it onto our next child. We'll carry it even into the next conversation. And just like the video that we just saw, we will not get rid of it. And you tell you the truth this morning, you guys, our baggage is not just stuff that we carry that just slows us down, but it also affects who we are and who we become as we enter the new situation. And often this stuff just weighs us down so much that it can create a, a burden and a, a conflict for you that kind of ruins this wonderful, joyous life journey that we're supposed to be on. Now, just to be clear, baggage is not just the junk that has happened to you in your life because that is junk that has happened to you someplace in your life. But baggage, you guys, baggage is when you carry that junk with you and it affects everything in your life in a very heavy Burdensome, burdensome and dysfunctional way. And I think we all have it. As well-adjusted as we think we are sometimes, I think that all of us have something. Uh, for some of us, we've been betrayed. Um, someone committed something to us or promised something to us, and you thought, you know what? I know that not everything is golden. I know there's a lot of disappointment in the world, but this thing is real. And I am all in on this thing. There is no way that this thing is gonna go sideways and then someone betrays you. And that betrayal has stayed 
with you, and that's baggage. And the baggage is that you don't trust anyone anymore, or you can't go to somebody with your very honest feelings and share those feelings with them because you are afraid that they are going to betray you as well. That is baggage. Or maybe you have been the recipient of some kind of abuse in the past, maybe physical or emotional or verbal, and you felt like maybe a good part of your life, a good chunk of your life, you're just really in a fight all the time. Only you're in a healthy situation right now, and the people around you, they don't want to fight. But all you know how to do is fight because you're just amped up all the time. And you bring that fight into this relationship or this situation, and that's your baggage. Or maybe there's been some kind of abandonment that you've experienced, and because of that, you don't get close to people anymore because, you know what, I'm just afraid that you're going to abandon me too. And this is a big one as well. Maybe you've had past experiences with people who have very impossible expectations. Maybe you grew up with somebody who had impossible expectations, and now as an adult, you're so happy to be out from underneath that, but guess what? Lo and behold, you are starting to put those same impossible expectations on other people without knowing it. That is baggage that you are carrying into a new situation. And I'll tell you, if you have ever been burned, cheated, lied to, or lied about, if you've ever been wronged in your life, usually you take that thing and you pack it up and you put it in a bag and you carry it on to the next thing. And no matter how well-adjusted you think you are, we all have this junk, this baggage that we carry with us, and it slows us down, and it weighs us down, and oftentimes, here's the thing, This baggage changes us in a way that ruins the next thing that we walk into. And at some point, you guys, we start to break under the pressure, don't we? You feel it. You feel the weight of the bags on your shoulders, and you're like, I'm just going to pull these bags off right now, and I'm going to set them down. I don't want a life with baggage, and that is a very biblical concept. But here's the problem. We don't know how. We don't know how to set the bags down. We don't have the foggiest idea of how to begin to take the bags off of our backs and lay them down and walk into the next thing as a free and liberated individual. We don't know how. Because really, I don't think that we've been taught. And so today, I just want to help you take a step in doing that by showing you a prayer in the Bible that we are calling the prayer of release. And we are in our third week, as Will said, of this prayer uh, series. And the whole point of this series is is encouraging you and challenging you to pray these, these very risky prayers. And when you pray them, we believe that your life will be transformed in some ways that you never thought possible And I think the prayer of release has the potential to do that for you today. And so we're going to look at a story today in Acts chapter 6. We're going to put it on the screens. If you want to pull it up on an app, you can do that. If you brought your Bible this morning, you can turn to Acts chapter 6. And it is a story about a guy named Stephen. 
Now, Stephen was an apostle, and what that means is he was one of the guys who was charged and given the responsibility of preaching the message of Jesus after Jesus had died, okay? So he was like a preacher, like a traveling preacher, and he was really good. He was really good. People loved listening to him. The Bible says that Stephen spoke with incredible wisdom, and he was an amazing teacher, so much so that he started to gather his own following. He was so popular. So people would follow him wherever he went uh, just to hear what he had to say. And this is where we pick up the story in Acts chapter 6, verse 8. It says this. It says, Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as some other provinces, who began to argue with Stephen. But they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. So you get the picture, right? Stephen is doing some teaching, and God is doing some really wonderful and amazing things through him. But some of the people who had not yet converted to Christianity, they're getting really mad that he is so popular. So look at Acts 6.11. It says, Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, We have heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And, and just to be clear, he did not speak blasphemous words against Moses and God, but they had convinced people to say that. Okay, So they're getting ready to set him up. Verse 12, so they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. They seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. They produced false witness who testified, this fellow never stopped speaking against this holy place and against the law, down to verse 15. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen and they saw that his face was like that of an angel, meaning God was with him, the presence of God was on him, okay? Now look at the beginning of chapter 7. The high priest asks Stephen, are these charges true? Are these charges true? And what Stephen does for the next 52 verses is he starts in on this speech about God and Jesus and about how the Sanhedrin had done the same thing to Jesus, false witnesses against him, testifying against Jesus to the point where Jesus was crucified. And we don't have time to read all 52 verses, but you get what's happening here, right? Stephen is being framed. He is being set up. And this speech, this recalling of what happened to Jesus is his way of defending himself. And he's saying, you know what, you guys? You guys did this same thing to Jesus, and now I sense that the same thing is happening to me. I am not going to just roll over and take it. And he's calling them out in front of the entire crowd. Well, look at what happens in verse 54. It says, when the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. They were, they were fuming. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I have seen heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And at this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he fell on his knees and he cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell 
asleep. And what Stephen prays, you guys, in that simple one-sentence prayer is a prayer that has the potential to change your entire life. The one simple prayer that he prayed is what we're calling the prayer of release. Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Now, I got to be honest with you. When I read this passage, it messes me up all the time because this seems really weird to me, doesn't it? Like when I see injustice, I want justice served. Everything kind of rises up in me and I want to see someone pay for what is done. But when I am wrongly accused of something, I actually just, I lose my mind over it, right? I start to get defensive, I get resentful, I get bitter, and I start to think about all the reasons why the other person is just wrong and stupid. We all kind of do that. We kind of just lose it when we are wrong or wrongly accused and when we are hurt. And you know why? Because this is natural. This is a natural human response. When we are wronged, we do feel bitterness. We feel resentment. We feel defensive. We kind of lose our minds at the fact that someone has wronged us. Well, even if you stay in your right mind and you don't get upset at that and you decide to take the approach of, you know what, I guess I'm just going to let it go. It's, it's, a, it's okay. I don't want to hold on to it. You certainly don't ask God to let it go, do you? I mean, don't you want someone to remember what has been done? I mean, somewhere deep down, don't we hope that if we choose to let it go, that maybe God won't? Like, sometimes the thought of God taking care of it and maybe God getting revenge on our behalf, sometimes that's all we have. And, and I remember growing up, whenever I was wronged or something happened to me and I would go to church and I would talk about it. Someone would always say, well, you know what? They're going to have to answer to God for that. They're going to have to answer to God for that. And I would have this picture of that person in heaven being reprimanded by God for what they did to me. And, and inside, I kind of got excited about that because when you've been wronged, the thought of God maybe making it right and getting revenge on your behalf, sometimes that sounds pretty good. And I'll tell you, if you have ever secretly felt that way, you are in good company. You are not alone because the Bible is full of people who prayed prayers of revenge and who prayed for God to get back at their enemies. There is a guy in the Bible named David, and he was a guy after God's own heart, but he, and he loved God. But he had these crazy prayers in the book of Psalms where he was actually praying, God, get revenge. Look at Psalm 69, 23 and 24. He says, may their eyes be darkened so that they cannot see and their backs be bent over. Here it is. Pour out your wrath on my enemies. Let your fierce anger overtake them. And there it is. God, you take the revenge on people who hurt me. And like I said, this is not a one-time thing. The Bible is full of prayers like this. Well, why is that? Because it's normal. Because it's our human nature to want to see God take care of it for us. So if it's our human nature and it's normal, how is it, Crosswinds, that Stephen, as he is dying at the hands of the, the people who set him up, the people who are stoning him to death, as he is dying, he says, God, release them from what they've done. 
And I think very wisely what we see right here with Stephen are the words of a man who has learned how to drop his baggage. He has learned how to drop his baggage. Let me explain. Uh, several years ago, there was a professor in the psychology department of Colgate University, and he decided to experiment and see what would happen when people uh, plan out revenge and actually get it. And so he went into this experiment thinking, you know what, there's got to be some kind of catharsis that takes place when people see reve their revenge being acted out. Um, and he was expecting to find that there was some kind of emotional release or relief of tension by watching or knowing that revenge had happened, okay? Uh, putting it into the words of what we're talking about today, he was hoping that people would, stop to, would start dropping their baggage once they got revenge, okay? So he decided to test this, and the way he did it was he staged a game where players could earn money if they cooperated in the game. Earn money, all right? But if you didn't cooperate, you would earn more money, but it would be taken away from someone else's pot, all right? So work together, make some money, work against each other, you make more money, but it will come out of someone else's pot. Um, so what he did was this. He planted people in the game who encouraged everyone to cooperate, but they would not cooperate themselves. And they were called the free riders, okay? And so the free riders would tell everyone in their group, okay, we're gonna work together, let's do this, let's accomplish the goal. And then behind the scenes, they would be the most disruptive, disagreeable people. They would basically sabotage their group for their own gain, but it would cost everybody else and not the free rider. So the professor ran this experiment with two different groups. One group could actually choose to punish the free rider in the end if they wanted. The other group had no choice. They could not punish. Well, once the experiment was over, the group that was allowed to choose punishment, guess what they chose? Punishment, right? They chose revenge because they fully expected, if I see that this guy gets what is coming to him, I will have a release. I will be able to drop my bags and I can move on to the next thing. But here's what happened when he pulled that group afterwards. He asked them how it affected their state of mind. And every single person in that group that got revenge was miserable. They were depressed, unhappy, and get this, they were unsatisfied, far worse off mentally and emotionally than the ones who did not get a chance to take revenge at all. And what he learned from this experiment was that revenge did not help them put down their bags. Revenge did not give them release. In fact, what he found was that people said they felt worse about what the free rider did to them after they got revenge than they did before. And his conclusion was this. Rather than providing closure, revenge does the opposite. It keeps the wound fresh and open. Open and fresh. So it did not bring release. This natural thing in us does not bring release. Well, I think that Stephen, going back to the prayer that he prayed, Stephen in the wisdom that God gave him, he knew that. And this is so important. What Stephen knew is that when a prayer of release is actually prayed, like the one he prayed, 
It's not just about forgiveness of the other person and releasing them from what they did wrong. More specifically, when you pray a prayer of release, the person you end up releasing is you. You end up releasing you. You release you from the trap of that baggage that you carry around that changes who you are and prevents you from entering into that next thing as a free person. Uh, a pastor in Long Island uh, tells the story of a man in his church who came to him one Sunday and told him this story. He said, 19 years ago, pastor, this guy stole my wife away from me. They got married and moved to Florida while my life unraveled. After I was arrested for assaulting a police officer, this guy smirked through the entire court hearing. When I was convicted, he flipped me the finger, and I have hated him for 19 years. He is coming up here next week, and I have a 32 caliber pistol, 32 caliber pistol strapped around my ankle, and when I see him, I'm going to use it. Then he chillingly concluded, I have thought all about it. I'm 63 years old. I will get a life sentence, but I'll also get free medical and dental and a warm bed and three meals a day. All of this bitterness and resentment feels so right. Forgiveness seems wrong. So after this pastor listened to this guy's story, he said to the guy, you know what? I guess it really doesn't matter if you go to jail because you're already there. The guy who stole your wife and smirked at your hearing, he's not the one in jail. You are. That guy's fine. But you're a prisoner to your own hate. And you're slowly killing yourself. And unless you forgive, you'll remain trapped for the rest of your life. Well, after that, that interchange, a week later, the man called him and said, you know what, Pastor, I get your point. I put the gun away. And then he said this. I don't want to spend the rest of my life in jail or, or, or enslaved to my own hate. Will you pray for me that Jesus will release me? Will you pray for me that Jesus will release me? And there it is. Pray that Jesus will release me. Crosswinds, that is what the prayer of release is. It is not just a prayer that God is gonna help you for, forgive others or God to help you forgive and let go of other people. It is a prayer that as you learn to forgive, that you will also be set free, free from your baggage, free from the burden, from the weight, from the heavy, free from the thing that changes you and kind of messes up the next thing that you enter into. And I'll tell you, this prayer of release, this can be really hard to do, right? Because we don't feel like people deserve it. People who have harmed us, before I can pray that prayer, they need to come back to me and do something. Just do something. Grovel a little, ask for forgiveness, admit that they've done something wrong, but pray that prayer of release without any of that happening? There's no way. There's no way. It feels wrong. But you know what? I think what we know to be true is that sometimes it is impossible for people to come back to us for a whole bunch of reasons. It is impossible sometimes for people to make things right for us. And yet we keep waiting for something that might never come. And what you need to know this morning is that when we talk about releasing that person, it's not about releasing them from the responsibility of their actions because their actions matter. 
It's not about saying, oh, it's all right, I, I forgive you, it, it doesn't matter, what you did was trivial, because it's not. What they have done matters. What you need to know is that forgiveness and releasing them from having to do something to make things right with you. Forgiveness is releasing them from having to do something to make things right with you. And you know why we have to stop waiting around for other people to make things right for us? Because really that is something only God can do. Only God can fix the mess. Only God can put, pick the pieces up and put, and put things back together for us. Look at Galatians 2.16. Look at what it says. It says, Know that a person is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we, too, have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law, because by observing the law, no one will be justified. And the very basic meaning of this passage is this. Nothing gets fixed. Nothing gets truly fixed apart from Jesus. And I will tell you this morning that that piece of information should set you free because it will stop you from waiting for someone to come back and make it right for you. Only Jesus can make those things right. And it's time for you to start letting him do that. Because how many of us are walking around with tremendous baggage because we're just waiting. We're just waiting for someone else to come back and fix something that maybe they will never fix. And you are lugging around hundreds of pounds of baggage because you are waiting for someone else to come and release you. I'll tell you, maybe it's time to let God take that baggage off you, off of your shoulders, bag by bag, so you don't carry it into the next thing. Because I'll tell you something, if you don't do that, you will forever be living in the past. You will forever be living in the past when God has shown you a prayer and he is giving you the power to move into your future unhindered and free. Crosswinds, it's time to be free. But it will require the prayer of release. And listen, I don't mean to make it sound like forgiveness is an easy thing. It's complicated, it's hard, it's time-consuming. It's not just praying this prayer one time and everything kind of goes away. And so your dare this week is gonna be a little more than we've asked the last two weeks, okay? It's not just about praying some simple words and everything is better. It's gonna require a couple of more things. And here's what we want you to do. The first thing we want you to do is just to identify one person one person who you feel like has wrong, wronged you, okay? And I want to encourage you, don't start with the big things. Don't pick the person who betrayed you. Don't pick the person um, that cheated on you. Pick something smaller. You will have time to address those hurts later as you start to pray this prayer of release and you see how it works in your life. You can choose those later. So start with something small, okay? Identify one person. And then the next thing we want you to do is to address your feelings honestly. And what I don't mean by this is going to that person and saying, let me tell you everything you ever did wrong to me, okay? Don't start doing that. 
But maybe what you're doing is you're going to a trusted friend or to a counselor or to your small group and you're saying, I need to tell you what happened with this person. This is what happened. These are the feelings I'm feeling. And you're just kind of venting it out a little bit. You could even write it down in a journal or write it in your prayer booklet um, if you have one, if you think that will help you. So honestly address your feelings. And then here's the prayer that we are daring you to pray every day this week. God, release me and release them from what they've done. I don't want to carry the bags anymore. I am tired of carrying the baggage. My, my body hurts. My shoulders hurt. Release me to move into the next thing that you have for me, unhindered and free. That's the prayer. The prayer is short, but the process is long and it'll take some time, but be patient with yourself. And I'm telling you, if you can learn to pray this prayer every day over this person or this situation, you might start to change. God might actually start giving you a heart of compassion toward that person that hurt you. You might even gain an understanding of why they hurt you in the first place. But I'll tell you the big thing that'll start to happen is that God will help you forgive yourself. Because when we carry bags that are heavy like that, bitterness and resentment, it changes us. And it doesn't change us for the better. And maybe we've hurt people because we carried those things into a new situation. And so what I think is going to happen is that as God starts to forgive you, you will start to forgive that person. And guess what starts to happen then? You start dropping bags left and right. And you start living free. I want to close um, today, and I want to pray a prayer over you this morning. So I'm going to ask you to stand. And I want to pray the prayer of release over you. Actually, would you just take a moment and think about someone who you need to release right now? Not a big, not a, a big situation, but just somebody that you've maybe been in conflict with. Give you a few minutes to just call that person to mind. And as you're thinking about this person this morning, think about what it would look like for you to be free. How would that feel? And let me pray over you right now as you begin this process of letting go and letting God release you. God, as we sit here or stand here this morning and you bring people to mind who have hurt us, God, I pray that you would give us a place to share our feelings. Help us to be honest with ourselves about the offenses that have come against us. Give us the courage and strength to release the people that we're thinking of. Help us take the baggage off our backs. We are so tired. Help us release the people for the things that they've done to us. And in doing so, God, would you set us free. We pray for forgiveness for how bitterness and resentment have maybe changed us. And I pray that we wouldn't look to others to make things right in our life. God, help us to cling to you as you set us free. And all God's people said, amen. God be with you this week. Thank you so much for coming this morning. We'll see you next Sunday.